One. Did someone say downgrade a bank credit yesterday? Market doesn't care. Right back up near the close on Monday. Stocks need a catalyst. Pen Gaming got one. We'll go into that in detail. Excited to talk about that one. We got other earnings reports. You're either up 20% or you're down 20%. This is the kind of market we're in. We're going to talk options with CC Legator on pre-market prep for Wednesday. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. All right, good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to this Wednesday's edition. Starting out in the green, 11 handles, 45.29. Nice little rally yesterday, little follow through today. We know what the big number is on the upside, though. Uh, the buck is down seven cents at 102.27. We got some major resistance in the dollar futures coming up here at the 102.60 area. Ah, bond slipping a few ticks. Crude higher. That's up uh, 68 cents at 83.68. Poking its head into the 84 handle. Gold down about three bucks, 19.57. Silver going the same way, down four pennies, 22.77. And Bitcoin back at that 30K level, it's down 55 bucks, $30,020. Let's bring in Triple D. And Triple D has this market figured out fundamentally. He is going to share his extensive knowledge of the fundamentals on today's show. No, you just take fundamentals and you throw them out the window on this market. There's two things that drive this market. Story, maybe it's three things, but I'm going to start with story and bar. Meaning, where is the bar? Is the bar high? Is the bar low? And it's not talking the analyst bar. It's not talking where the numbers are. It's talking where the investor bar is. If the bar is too high, they have no chance to get over it. If the bar is too low they easily get over it. SMCI, bar, so high, they had no hope. Quarter was fantastic, matters nothing because the bar was simply too high. And then you get Twilio, Datadog, Ring Central, knock the bar right to the ground and Twilio literally steps over it and rallies. So that is what matters. It's all about bar. Fundamentals, you could take two companies that the exact same reports in every single way and if they're both disappointing, the one that reports first is going to get murdered. And the one that reports second isn't going to get hit very hard. And that's all about a bar. Welcome to the stock market. All right. Let's bring in Mitch this morning. Mitch, how are you doing on this uh, hump day? Doing great. Let's go ahead. Let's take a look at the first. I'll start with a little bit of some macro news. Of course, China consumer sector is falling into deflation now as they're really kind of struggling here. Figures for Chinese imports dropped 12.4% in July year over year, while exports also contracted 14.5%. 
Now, of course, pressure is mounting on Beijing to release more direct policy stimulus. And this is something that I'd point to to really focus on, because last time I talked about it with Baba, that we were supposed to get some political uh, stimulus. What we got was a bunch of talk, really. It wasn't true stimulus. So now I would be really having my eyes open, at least in China stocks, to see if they do get a true stimulus to get them that lift. We'll continue to watch stocks like Baba, PDD, names like that, but definitely something to look out for. This needs a catalyst, and uh, they're just trading up on this news. Baba's trading up, uh, poked his head over a hundred bucks. Uh, had a nice little bit of. I mean, the chart is. It looked like this before. It looked like this in March, mm -hmm. and then it came down and uh, almost tested the low of the move. Well, now the low of the move is quite a bit lower, but I mean. Can you put 105 in the rearview mirror someday and like get, you know break out above that area? But the stocks are China stocks are reacting okay. You just got to be in it to win it overnight on these things. You'll need that policy stimulus, I think. I, I'll okay. be watching to see if we get it. Let's keep moving. Let's go towards the next one. Of course, the major report that I want to talk about is Super Microcomputers as they're taking a big hit as this was one of the favorites of riding the trend. Now really breaking that trend, Q4 adjusted $3.51, beats the $2.57 estimate. Sales of $2.19 beat the $1.90 And they do see Q1 adjusted EPS $2.75 to $3.50 versus a $2.96 estimate. Revenues outlook didn't look too bad here. Lower end $1.9 billion to $2 billion versus a $2.03 billion estimate. And if you wanted to find one reason while maybe they hit it, you could say that revenues. But I think this was just a bar that was set too high. Yeah, the bar just in the moon, the stratosphere. We talked about this. I tweeted before it. So I tweeted right before the report. I said that for SMCI to go higher, it is going to have to absolutely blew it away. It did. But the guidance did not. And I mean, revenue guidance coming in slightly under the estimates, you cannot do that. You cannot come out. You know, when your stock has went from 100 to 350 in the last three months, and it comes on the revenue guidance is slightly light, they are going oh. to every single day. So again, far too high. The quarter was excellent, but the guidance wasn't just blowing it away we needed that guidance to blow it away to go higher that did not happen smci trading near the lows here now joe we did get a bounce last night i did trade this a little bit last night on the report um and it did bounce a bit but now drifting right back down to the pre-market lows i think those come in around 290 uh just below that i believe they come in at uh 288.30 dennis did you try and buy this thing yeah, I actually did really well on it. So I bought it, I think, 298-ish when it started after the fact. started lifting, and it felt like it was going to lift. And the thing went to, like, 316. It did. I sold some at 308, and then I sold the rest of it. I took some overnight, and I sold the rest of it, like, 302 or something this morning. So I obviously should have got all of it out at 316. But uh, it, was a, it was a small size, playing around, small size, just having some fun. Uh, but it was a good trade. Uh I just, I mean, just after that Lily move yesterday, I'm just like, I'm just like so hesitant to say, oh, you know, here's support. It's going to bounce. You know, it just seems like the mo once it gets going in one direction, because a lot of people, oh, yeah. 
that don't trade in that uh, pre-market after hours are going to say, what? What? Down? This was a $350 stock yesterday. <laughs> so, and people are still sitting on a lot of profits. That's what people have to understand. You know, like, hey, you bought this in a, in a hundred handle, 150 handle, 200, 250. Well, anything over 300, you're dead meat. The only place I see of two lows in the same area is uh around 280 281 so if you take out the pre-market low i'm i'm i'd say a potential target at 280 and i have no idea if this thing catches a bid 318.10 was the reaction overnight but man too many people are buried in this one i think to get back to that level of 318.10 the this official one- ai count from our, our own Nick yeah, Brown, this is 49 times. 49? It, it doesn't matter what they say in AI. I to- I it doesn't it matter before. if they say it a million times. There's no money there. <laughs> I tweeted out before that they were going to have to say it a minimum of 75 times for the stock to go higher. So they did not hit my minimum of 75. 49 was not enough. Yeah, uh, and I said they could say it a thousand times. It wouldn't have changed anything. Not, a, not when your revenue guidance is slightly light. You can't yeah, have the revenue guy in slightly like your I'm, stock has went up like 300% in the last quarter. So This is where I'm starting to get concerned. SMCI, time to cool off. You know what is shocking to me, though? Is that NVIDIA is green on this. Yes. Not that NVIDIA has That's what I was trying to, to go do. through, Dennis. That's what I was trying to go to. I'm thinking here now, do they I, I just come believe. after the general? They hit it on the initial report. They did hit NVIDIA down. You saw it too, right, Dennis? I was and, looking and, at and it. And SMCI and NVIDIA are not the same companies, but they're both the two AI bubble stocks. Yeah. And one AI bubble stock bursts on this report, and the NVIDIA is still green. It's still there. That has got to be. NVIDIA, let's just stop for a second just talking about it. This has got to be the most resilient stock that I have maybe ever seen in my trading career because the multiple just continues to expand. We have tech stocks rolling over all over the place. Microsoft, Tesla, Netflix. Apple, we have, you know, the QQQ significantly starting to come off the highs as well. Not that crazy, but a lot of smaller ones. Yet the NVIDIA with the P in the stratosphere does not go down. I don't know. Maybe it's going to go higher again. Like we got another month before we hear from NVIDIA, but the the resilience in this stock is nothing short of spectacular. I would have thought that with the SMCI going down as much as it did, that they're probably going to hit NVIDIA down just because it's not that it's sound, not, not that they're anything really to do with each other fundamentally, but they're both those AI talk stocks. I would have thought this would knock NVIDIA down. That is not happening here this morning. Yeah, I was saying it's the same thing. I put it up on my Twitter. I was like, do they come after NVIDIA now? Um, so I'm going to be watching for that today. I think it's something that could happen eventually. And of course, NVIDIA doesn't report till the end of the month. And so that gives them a little bit of time to maybe come after this stock before the earnings come in. Is this going to be another one that they come after way before the earnings, kind of like upstart? That's one thing that I'm thinking about, but we'll get to that action in a little bit. Any last comments just here quick, on yeah, NVIDIA? Yeah, just a Joel? quick, uh, yeah, I'm looking. I'm like, well, that has really had much of a range the last couple of days, right? So it's getting tight. It is really consolidating here. Uh, I'm just going to keep an eye. There's no specific number at 450, uh, but that is uh, that's a level I'd keep an eye on. The reason is is that you had the high of the move around 465, and then you you shaved about uh, 30 handles off uh, down to uh, 
roughly 435. And now you're getting a bounce. So you got a, you got a wall of resistance. It's above that. But uh, I think this needs to get over 450, start getting some closes. It's, it's had a couple under there, one above, but just consolidating. And we all know what consolidations lead to. So keep your eye on the recent trading range in NVIDIA. Let's just check AMD real quick. That's been pretty, came down to that 107 and a half area again. That's holding up pretty well too. Uh, this has uh, three highs in the same area. Oh, but it's way up at 119. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to the next one. And of course, uh, the shocking news of the day, we're going to call it. And that's in Penn Entertainment. And yes, you guys, you're correct. You see that jump in the, in the stock. I know the stock has been sleepy for so long, but yes, really it jumped, guys. Night, Q2 EPS here, 48 cents, beats the 42 cent estimate. Sales at 1.67 billion in line, but that's not the news, of course. The news is Penn Entertainment partnering with Disney's ESPN to rebrand and relaunch its sports book as ESPN Bet. Penn oh. is rebranding Barstool Sportsbook as ESPN Bet and will be divesting its stock in Barstool Sports. So now they will be in 16 legalized betting states. Of course, former Disney CEO Bob Chaikin said that ESPN will never take bets itself and it wanted to partner with a gambling company. Looks like we found out which company that is. And Penn now has exclusive rights to ESPN Bet's trademark in the U.S. for 10 years. And it could be extended for another 10 years if the two come to a mutual agreement. So now Penn getting the lift. Bye-bye goes Barstool Sports. At least that's the way I feel. And now we need to go ahead and see. Is Penn an opportunity here? So many implications here. So much to digest. I mean, not obviously just for Penn and Disney but obviously for DKNG and Caesar. So, you know, we've got commentary from JP Morgan saying that this could actually be good for DKNG and Caesar because they were getting killed last night, so they're coming out to defend those stocks. Um, Caesar has rallied and actually turned green. Obviously, it's a direct hit on DKNG more than Caesar because Caesar has other operations. Um, lots to unpack here, lots to think about. One, you can see clearly that the Barstool Sports acquisition by Penn was a big mistake and a big overpay. And, you know, whether it be Portnoy's, you know, personal problems or whatever it was, it was just a huge overpay. We thought, you know, that, you know, obviously Penn, you know, was, seemed like they were. I have the numbers know. for you, Dennis. Uh, yeah, Penn give National me those. Oh, yeah. What That's did they it, pay yeah. for Barstool Sports back in the day? Penn National Gaming acquired a 36% stake in Barstool Sports for $163 million in January 2020. And again, it's not, you know, a huge sum when you're thinking a big scheme of things, but it's a big sum of money. And, and, and again, you know, in 2020, Barstool Sports, Portnoy was everywhere. So now Portnoy has kind of taken, you know, like you were saying, he's not as much, he's still out there. He's still, you know, Dave Portnoy and he's funny as hell. You know, I, I laugh every time I watch him. Um, but, you know, the personal problems got to his reputation to a certain extent as well. So I think Penn's is trying to move on. They're trying to not be, you know, just, you know, we're Barstool Sports. We are Penn Gaming. And now we're going to be, you know, obviously getting into, you know, and harder into sports betting. And we're lining ourselves with Disney. So they're trying to move on. 
Hannah's always, I've had long, that's been my wife's RSP. I always put the bad ones in hers, I guess, but I don't, I don't invest her as well, but I've had this in there for a while. Um, it's been a dog. It's been a disaster. There are people who are just underwater in this thing everywhere. When I was looking at this thing at 33 last night, I was like, man, I wish I could trade after hours in her RSP account because I probably would have sold it, but I can't trade after hours in her RSP account. It's in one of those retail brokers that don't offer after hours trading. Maybe I should have after hours trading in those accounts, but I don't on that one. Um, it made me want to sell 33, 32, 31. Now it's come down to 28 and you're like, well, it's given a lot Ooh, of it back here. I don't know. Back. I missed the 32, 33, 31. Those seem like screaming sells. 28 is sell. This is good news for Penn. So it's worth something. You know, it wasn't worth 33 last night. No way. Crazy. What an overshoot on that. I mean, come on. Algo's going crazy on that one. So they put out 163 mil. Do we know what they're, they're going to get back? I mean, it's not a huge sum of money. You know, I think they bought it pretty low. I really do. I think that what you know, that stock was uh, was single digits for a while, right, during COVID. So I'm not sure where they got it. Uh, boy, oh, boy. I would have said. I would have thought 30 was a little bit of a gift because it had the gap down in May. You got that gap area. Um, that's what I think. If if you can mount another rally at that gap fill at 30, of course, I don't think you're going to get to that pre-market high. Uh, will it drift back down to fill the gap? I, I don't know. I mean, that that's, that's a big gap. It's a big catalyst. So hard to find support because the top of yesterday's range is way down under uh, – under 25 bucks who was the um activist that um was calling for uh espn to get into sports betting or this where were they calling for them to spin off espn yeah there's been a couple activists that have done it um but there was one especially i think it was elliot i think it might have been elliot that made that mention joel but yeah this is one thing that i would say for disney that i think they just did it wrong i don't think they should have partnered up they should have made their own spin off of espn They've had so many chances to actually create growth. No one wants it ESPN. And now it's too late. Now it's too late. You've already made your error. And now I think that in the long run, I don't see ESPN being the top sports media for too much longer. Maybe another five Who's taking them out really though? Like you you obviously have lots of smaller podcasts you have exactly you know, a lot of streaming. i think that's where it's going to go is, is anybody really taking espn off the number one pedestal though i don't see who's on deck to take them out that's that's where that's where we got to wait and see it's like right now there isn't like, a, like a maybe death name. by a thousand cuts because they're cutting you from that's all what angles. i think but and and i agree and i and, and and again espn has been a disaster for disney this this deal makes a lot of sense to me because you've got two companies who have, you know, are struggling. Penn's been struggling for a long time. Disney has been struggling with the ESPN forever. So they're trying to team it up to try to, like, build it. Now we're going to make it sports betting. People are going to be watching ESPN because they can bet on right there, too. It makes sense to me. I think it's a smart deal. I think Iger is trying to think outside the box, which Mm -hmm. does impress me. Um, But with that being said, does this turn ESPN around? I, I don't know. I think just the cord cutting is just killing them there as well. And so many people get all their information from just other podcasts now. Like it's all over the place. Podcasts just attacking traditional media. You know, exactly. we, 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 we are the same thing. Pre-market prep is a podcast, you know, and we're one of the very many that are trying to attack CNBC. I mean, you know, and we're one of them as well. So there's just a, a, there's a lot of different podcasts and a lot of different people talking sports on podcasts. 
that, you know, and some people like, you know, hearing this person's commentary or this person's commentary. I know there's like a Steve Dangle in, in, in uh, Canada who's a hockey commentator and he's just, you know, he's just a young guy and he likes, you know, he's very eccentric, very exciting, talks sports. A lot of people log in to watch his podcast. So there's lots of things to think about, but I just think overall, does this really move the needle for Disney? Probably not. Can it get some people excited about maybe the Disney story? Maybe. It all that matters is going to be earnings tonight, though. That's the only thing. That's yeah, matter. that's ahead of earnings. Uh, that that pre-market high coincides real nicely with a high just under 90. This 90 just looks key. It, it really, you've been in the trading range. Is it, How low does it get? It got to, it's been really 85.90 uh, since middle of June. So major consolidation pressing up against the upper band of that range so above 90 i think he got some room in the house of mouse and then you got that real good support at 85 that's above the covid low i think this this was a little bit of a tough call i think for disney and i think that's why it took so long because you know that you know uh the primary image of disney is kids right and and entertainment and you know here you're going into the gambling mode but uh they're going to need something else besides. And also, folks, just keep in mind, you know, they just did it. They just did the deal. You know, how long is it going to take to filter out, right? How long will it take to show up in their in their earnings? But uh, we'll get that. Uh, S&P is leaking a little bit here. I think it's yeah. going to be a really choppy day. I, I just kind of the feeling of that you have right now. Uh, big numbers coming out tomorrow and Friday. So market participants got shooken up a little bit yesterday and uh market battled back but uh just just kind of choppy looking for some choppy trade i, I think keep... you're gonna see the chop here and we're gonna get a lot more earnings reports but nobody's really moving the needle like i'm looking at all the companies that reported you know last night the companies reporting this morning there's a lot of you know kathy type stocks there's a lot of retail followed stocks but there's no big guns we have disney probably the biggest gun tonight i'm just looking at my sheet and Wynn Resorts is probably the second biggest gun to report tonight. But, you know, we're by the big mega caps. You know, we, we obviously have NVIDIA later in the earnings season, but that's almost like three weeks away still. So, you know, SMCI was a very, you know, a report that a lot of people were going to pay attention to for the AI story. But, I mean, we're just in this, we're, we're eventually going to get into this, like, you know, where we start getting past a lot of the big companies. And there's a lot of companies reporting, but there's not a lot of big, you know, like, major Big components guns. of the S&P reporting here. So are the index is going to move a lot on all these. They might move a bit off of Disney, but it's its own story too. There's not a lot of names that say, that's really going to move the S&P. It's just, you know, we're getting past that part of the earnings season. That's why I still think you're eventually going to get into these dog days of August where you start to just shop around and, you know, as the market starts to get a little bit quieter for a few weeks. And maybe that's a good thing. All right, let's keep going. Let's go to the next report. We're going to go to down stop because I feel like everybody got down. to yell at it and <laughs> yeah, maybe just stop Jeez, it from coming down here. Upstart Holdings, Q2 adjusted EPS, $0.06. Cents, beat the loss of $0.07 cent estimate sales of $135.77 million. Beat $134.94 million estimate. Upstart sees Q3 revenue at $140 million versus $155.43 million estimate. And down it goes. Upstart for the last three months and downstart for the last three oh. days. Unbelievable how quickly they give teams back. Days. This, 
This turns people off stocks. This is what I've been talking about. When you see a stock go from 20 to 70, so over the course of three months, which is an incredible move all on a short squeeze, and then give it all, like give like not all of it, but giving back like over half of it. Two for one stock split In almost. three days. It gave back half of it in three days. Like and it, this and it took what? It took three it months turns, to get it up there. Three months to get it up there and three days to give half it back. When this market turns, it is vicious. I would think you're going to bounce at 40 on Upstart. I'm not sure where it bounced in pre-market. But, you know, logic says that you're definitely just went from overbought to oversold in a heartbeat. Yeah. I mean, the report itself is not good. Probably wasn't going to be good. I mean, Upstart is not a company that was firing on all cylinders. It was a company that they were squeezing shorts in. So you come out and the revenue is junk. hundred, They see revenue $140 million versus $155 million, Joel. I mean, yeah, they made money, which a lot of people are going to say, wow, they made money. But revenue guidance, weak here too. After you just ran up that much here, you got to have the revenue. That's what investors are looking at is for that revenue growth. When revenue starts to slow down, they don't want any part of it. So a lot of people are trying to scramble to get out of this. People who bought this a month ago is like, oh, I bought this 42. It's 70. I'm a genius. Back at 42. And people are really pissed off probably. So, I mean, you got to get out on that first candle break. That first candle break, when it went from like the 70 to 60 in a heartbeat, you had to sell the dip on that one. People are buying the dip on that one. They need to sell the dip on that one. Now the thing's at 42. Everyone is caught. If it bounces, it bounces maybe to you know 47, 48, 50, and then probably runs into more sellers. Story completely broken now. Uh, it looks like someone's trying to bring in some stock here. Uh, there's really, there's not a, there's a daily low at uh, 4070. You can see that up on the, uh, or right around, where was that daily low? 4023, uh, hit 4070. Uh, I just think there's some, you know, whether they, you know, have some puts or, or, or short to stay reshorted the stock on the way down. They're saying, thank you very much here. Just a patient buyer. So this chart, this chart looks different than the SMCI uh, as far as the the chance of the uh, of the after hours low holding. So I would keep an eye on that. If I had to, if I had to buy one of the two stocks, I think I would try and look at the uh, this uh, upstart over the SMCI, just because you can lose two hundred and ninety one dollars in that, and you can only lose what forty three dollars. I don't know if I look at it that way, but <laughs> no. The SMCI you... still has a story like intact. Like the Upstart story has been broken for a long time. You know, Upstart story has been broken for two and a half years. The stock itself, the only story you had was the short squeeze. We know short squeezes end in Go tears. On. They almost always end in tears, folks. So here's something for you to write down. Short squeezes end in tears. They go on for a long time, but they eventually end in tears because the shorts usually end up being right. So, I mean, in the end, if you can hold through all that, think about the G GME. You know, obviously, it's held up a lot better than the other ones, but it's significantly down. The AMC short squeeze, we're going to give it to the shorts. The Bed Bath & Beyond, we're going to give it to the shorts. We went through that high you know, interest, you know, short interest last year and showed how a lot of those stocks are down 80%, 90% from the highs. Uh -huh. The squeezes can last for a lot longer than you think they can last. But when the dust settles in the end and you go in, you know, long term, these things usually come back in. The short squeezes usually don't last. If you're looking for more upside on this, you got to take out the seller at 44. Uh, that's been the high over the last hour. So 40 to 44. 
potential range here. Currently trading down 17%. Wow. What a shellac. I looked at this chart a couple days ago, and, I'm, and I hadn't looked at it in a while. I think I looked at it when it was like around 40, and I'm like, this is it, 70? Is this the right, the right stock? So, man, you got to sell them on the way up and <laughs> selling in the strength. You could be disappointed if you sold it at 65 when it went to 75. But when these things turn, they turn in a, in a hurry. I can't. Harlan Ion taught us so much and i don't know where harlan is today but he's one of our first guests that used to come on the show weekly when we first started the podcast he'd always come on sell your peanuts while the circus is in town you don't wait until the circus has left town to sell your peanuts because nobody's buying them and nobody's buying those upstart peanuts all right, keep your eyes on stocks that also have made moves like this, like Carvana. A firm has already started to break down. I saw Carvana get a little bit of a spike Carvana's here. Carvana's lifting it looks like again they... here. It doesn't appear to be over in Carvana. Yeah, so they just gave. All the other that's ones... why. There's a yeah. news that just hit the tape, Dennis. I don't know if you oh, saw that. It? Yeah, What's they the gave guidance. Um, so Carvana expects Q3 adjusted EBITDA of above $75 million. Um, prior view positive adjusted EBITDA. Um, so GPU above 5,500 prior was 5,000. Uh, so they just gave an update that just hit the tape just a little while ago. Um, so if you guys are looking for that, that's exactly what's going on there with Carvana. Um, and I think that this could get, maybe give it a, a day or two, maybe a lift, maybe it gets to like 50, maybe 52, but I don't see this coming back to 60. Well, it's an important day for it. When you have the company coming out and defending the stock and they did this, the timing of this is like they're seeing the stock start to go back down again and they want to do something to lift the stock back up. That's why the, that's why they're saying this. Yeah. They're seeing the stock leak and they're trying to like stop it from leaking. So very important day for it. Do they run with this? Do they come out and say, yeah, you know, this is, you know, um, good enough news here. We're going to continue to squeeze them. Or do the squeezers, you know, look at this as an opportunity like, ooh, uh, it's starting to look ugly. I'm going to get out. So very important, Dave, that it holds on to these gains. If it gives back these gains on these numbers, I would say the squeeze is over. If it can hold it, then, you know, um, if, as long as it can hold that 4401 close, I'd say the squeeze could still potentially be on. But very important that it important holds up day. for the day for, the day. for for those longs. Uh, your couple bucks off the high of the pre-market session that comes in at 49.38. So that's always a good target, initial target, because, right, you hit that, you backed off two bucks. Now people are thinking, why did I buy this at 49? Uh, but the real level, the major level, comes in a pair of matching highs at the 53, uh, just over 53 bucks. I don't think you're going to get it. If, in fact, you could plow through that pre-market high, I would look for the double close, 51.85 and 51.79. That's for Carvana. They don't make a lot of money, do they? How much did you say they're going to make? I don't know if they made any money. They ever made uh, money? No, they're well, they, they are. The, the adjusted EBITDA is going to be now above 75 million. So um, they're, they're going to be close there. They are starting to make okay. money, though. I think they're coming back into positive. Um, let me see the outlooks right now. Um, okay. So it looks like on uh the second quarter they were positive recently they were uh in the red so we'll see if they can get back above on on the eps and i think at least cars overall has gotten a little bit better right supply chains things like that we even saw lifts and used car sales the only thing here is that should carvana be at 50 or maybe like 25 
right? That's what I would think. I don't know if the valuations make sense here at 50 or I don't 55. think any of the valuations have made sense on any of these things. I don't even think it matters. Valuation doesn't matter at all. It's a matter whether they're done squeezing them or not. Exactly. That's all that matters with Kerbal. That's all that matters. All Certain right, let's... things, you know, JC Peretz, we've had him on the show a lot. You know, we love JC. Um, I think, you know, this is kind of like the JC market here where this market, you know, and certain markets reconnect with fundamentals and certain markets just don't give a crap. And a lot of this market is just, you know, driven on story and bar and momentum. And it's kind of like the JC Peretz market here right now. And, you know, and, and JC would argue it's always the JC Peretz market. And he has a point. There's a lot of times, you know, where I wonder, you know, where you just don't look at any fundamental analysis. You just go with trend following and, you know, away you go. We have a lot of great trend followers, you know, traders too. You know, Christian Frommer is one of the best. So, I mean, there, there's that, you know, there's probably a lot of traders that ignore fundamentals completely and do pretty well just by following trends and getting out when trends break. JC Peretz and Christian Frommer, it's two, two of the best, although I think Christian does follow some fundamentals. But oh, he I does. Mean, there's Christian, an argument Christian here in is this a market really good. We should ignore yeah. a lot of the a lot of the fundamentals. <laughs> well, the markets change too, right? They you know, do. they do, and um, and the the fundamentals don't matter until they matter, right? Yes. Look at Arc. I mean, you know, there's a point, but uh, the, I think that the really good point you're trying to make is like, you you can't fight it. I mean, if the fundamentals are saying one thing. And the stock, the price is doing another thing. Well, what you think and what the fundamentals are and what they're going to be, it doesn't matter. What, what's matter is if it's red, you're red or green on it. So yeah. they don't matter until they matter. 8.34, we're just chopping around. And we did have uh, that nice break yesterday, but uh, we're almost back at uh, that close. That important, I'm keeping an eye on that. Uh, that Monday close at 45.37.75. That would be... Uh, be a good number if in fact well the pre-market high is right at that area 45 36 and a quarter all right let's get one more in here rivian automotive q2 adjusted eps at a loss of a dollar eight beat the loss of a dollar 41 estimate sales of 1.12 billion beat the 978.88 million estimate mm. rivian says 50 percent increase in production versus q1 23 Dual motor added to the R1 lineup 2023 total production guidance increase to 52,000. At least sounds better than Lucid's 10,000, but that's just what I would say. I got to tell you, when a stock is looking for direction and you get major media commenting on it, they can turn direction. So Rivian was trading down last night. And then you had multiple people on Fast Money Dan Nathan and Chris Verone, both saying that they feel like the story has turned and they'd actually, I think Dan said, I'd buy it. I mean, this stock, you can see the point, Joel, it was trading down yeah. as fast money was going. You can actually, if you look at the green candle, that so look, you know, it's down, 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 consolidated for like a half an hour. That green candle exploded when Dan Nathan and Chris Verone both said they liked the stock at the same time. They both had commentary. And it just turned around on a dime right on those comments. And it, because, and this works very well with retail driven stocks, meaning there's a lot of retail traders that trade this stock. And there's a lot of retail traders that watch CNBC fast money. This was the fast money turnaround. So Dan, Nathan, and I believe it was Chris Verone on last night. I'm pretty sure it was Chris. Chris was on. We know Chris, I think he's been on our show before too. Um, 
they turned the stock around. Their their commentary completely turned the stock around. And then it went green and it stayed green and it was trying to hold and it's been trying to hold up. But it's weird I think if they wouldn't have said that, it could have been actually red here today. Uh, man, I remember seeing old Mark at the gym and uh, he left Ford, went to Rivian and I'm thinking, you know, and we're, we were talking about the stock and I can remember just saying 16 bucks, 16 bucks, 16 bucks. If this thing can get over 16, it can go. And you know what? It got over 16 that one day and then gapped up and never looked back. So uh, that's a long ways away. I'm, I don't know about Dan Nathan. I don't know about this uh, Verone guy, but I do know you had a four-point break from 28 to 24. So if the Bulls are going to run with this point, we're going to get up to 26. We're going to hold 26, and we're going to go back and test 28. Um, on the downside, I'm not going to pay attention to any other lows except the lows from the last two sessions. And that's a buck 30 away. Uh, good support for now, 23.60. If they take that out, I think you can get down to easily uh, this low at 22.60. But right now, uh, being supported, got a little bit of a up market. The trucks don't look too bad. I mean, have you seen them, have you seen them there in Canada? They look Dennis? cool. No, the trucks are awesome, Joel. Compare yeah. that truck to Tesla's Cybertruck. What's going on with the trucks? The, the Rivian truck? trucks look awesome. You know, the Fisker stuff looks good, too. We were eyeing me and you, Mitch, because after Joel left that day, we were showing the Fisker trucks. There are some cool-looking EVs out here. It's yeah, a matter of, like, how long before they're profitable. You know, how far do they have to get? You know, like, the loose, like even Luce said, you know, like, pretty cool, pretty cool trucks. Like, right, the EVs, I mean, like, pretty cool. But but what are you going to buy, matter? Dennis? You're about due. You're going to stick with Ford? gonna stick with ford i've been out of ford for a very long time no now. no 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 i do oh you mean as a buyer i'll probably yeah. stick with the ford f-150 but i'm not going I'm lightning not... what's that not going lightning no the the capacity like, i tweeted about it the other day i mean i'm hearing i read that review and you can you don't want to have to push your Google, boat google towing capacity so towing capacity <laughs> This is a good conversation. You don't want to do the Nikola and just push your boat down the, the hill? Yeah. But you go towing <laughs> capacity on the Lightning and then Motor Trend. They have an article here, Joel, that shows up on the second thing when you Google that. Oh, no, is the article. The Ford F-150 going to Motor Trend. So this is my opinion. I don't have a Ford 150, but I trust Motor Trend. A lot of people follow Motor Trend. I think they do pretty good tests. Toe no is the type, is it what it's called? The Ford F-150 Lightning struggled in our towing test. And it, and and basically, we towed 3,150, 3,700,000 pound traveler trailers with Ford's electric truck, and it didn't get very far from home. And then you look, and, um, you know, obviously, I tow stuff all the time with my F-150. Hey, Dennis, sorry to cut you off, but we got, we got CC. We got CC. Yeah, CC well, CC, we'll keep him on later, though, so I just want to continue my point. CC, just wait one second. We bring CC on the background. Bring him on. Bring CC on. Maybe he's got an F-150. Bring CC on. <laughs> I'm just going to finish the point here, though. Sorry. And then we'll keep CC on. We love CC. CC can stay overtime. So bring CC on. But here's the problem. Is you when you buy a pickup, you want power. You need, like, a lot of people buy a pickup to tow stuff. You can't have, you know, the towing test and you're losing battery after 90 yeah. miles. You know, you can't have that. So as soon as I heard that, I always wanted a Lightning. As soon as I heard the towing capacity wasn't very good, I was like, I can't buy it. It's it, you know, I'm towing my boat and towing stuff around. I'm like, I'm not gonna go and buy a truck. And 
you know, I'm going to have to recharge every 80 miles I drive. Imagine going for a long trip or something. Doesn't make any sense at all. So that's killing them, man. This Motor Trend article, which is number two when you Google it, if this is accurate, it makes me not want to buy an F-150 Lightning. And that's why I think they have to keep cutting the prices here. I think other people are understanding that they haven't figured out how to keep the battery life up when you're towing something heavy. Let's get CC. Let's go to CC and let's hear what he has to think about that. Let's bring him on here. Of course, CC the Gator, co-founder of Options AI. And I'll definitely throw up the link if you guys want to check out Options AI for my options traders. And I've been checking out the scanner a little bit more and uh, it's pretty fun. I got my own account uh, to Options AI. So if you guys want to check it out, definitely I suggest take a look. How are we doing, CC? Good. I have some Rivian thoughts. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's so this is one of those wild ones where, so I live in Boulder, Colorado. I'm not there right now, but that's where I'm, I typically am, which is a very like sort of outdoorsy, you know, mountain climbers, you know, yeah. that sort of crowd. I started seeing Rivians everywhere about a year ago, right? And it was, it seemed to be an obvious hit with that type of person, right? That was, mm-hmm. uh, you know, going up to the mountains, going camping, going rock climbing, things like that. Had I reacted on that anecdotal evidence last summer, I would have gotten killed, right? But it was like a year ahead of everything. And so they've positioned themselves very interest, like in an interesting situation, at least from what I've seen, which is sort of like they're like this outdoorsy, fun, electric truck company, right? And you see these other things, you know, like the the cyber truck and all. You're like, who is that for? I mean, is that for guys working construction or is that, you know, for who's going to drive that around? Um, But the Rivian thing was interesting. And then to, um, apart from the anecdotal part of that, the, uh, I I put this on my Twitter feed yesterday, typically into an earnings event, you know, I would, the first thing I look at is like an iron condor or something. I'm looking at the expected move. I'm, I'm, you know, thinking that most of the time, you know, 60 to 70% of the time a stock stays within that range or at, or within that range. Rivian was interesting because you had this big 25 big number, right? That it was sitting near. And I put up on my uh, Twitter feed, you know, like kind of a comparison of a an iron condor, which was selling the move and an iron, uh, an iron butterfly, which was specifically targeting 25. And what happens in a lot of um, stocks that are trading right around a big number, whether it be 100 or 25 or something like that, a ton of people have, you know, have positions on that line, right, which can kind of work as like a magnet and sort of draw that stock towards that line. It'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, the rest of the day and then into Friday, if like 25 acts as a magnet in that stock. Now, I wanted to go ahead and take a look here. And uh, I agree with you on uh, the weirdness of this. Uh, I saw this picture online and I kind of had to bring it in here. Um, Can you guys see it? I don't know why I'm struggling there to show the picture. Let me just re- Must be an Intel processor you're using. Yeah, you know how it goes, man. Intel (laughs) life, bro. (laughs) Um, You got to get to these NVIDIA. No more Intel. Yeah, no, I mean, it should should work there. I don't know why StreamYard's having some issues. Um, yeah, my screen's having some issues there, but uh, I wanted to just show the the image there of like a Rivian truck next to a cyber truck and look at this, guys. I mean, wow. which one are you choosing, guys? Let's just be the honest. Rivian truck is so cool looking. Yeah, I, which one are you guys? I just don't choosing? know, like the profitability thing's issue, but 
Well, I don't know what the paint job is on the Cybertruck. It's doing nothing to help it. The paint job is just hideous. It's like those old Navy ships, right? Like the old camo and the Navy ships. <laughs> like, is that a truck? Like, can we actually consider that a truck? Is I, it really I can't that small? That yeah. Is it, or is that just Compared the to the Rivian? Yeah. I mean, uh, that's what I'm wondering, too. I thought the Cybertruck was big. This is deceiving. Too, here. Yeah. Is, that the, mean, is that the Cybertruck? Is, it, is yeah. it for real? Yeah, or is man. it some knockoff? Like I thought, the Cybertruck was bigger than that. It could be how they shot Lord of the Rings. They could just have it. Could that's be what the they've distance. done here, trying yeah. to make it look. There's no way. Let's see the size of the Cybertruck. This is a good conversation because I thought the Cybertruck <laughs> was as big as an F one fifty. I thought it was huge when, it, or maybe Elon Musk. I, I did too. When he's on yeah, because look at here. That that's that's deceiving because I've got this. Oh, this was a funny thing. Electric did a Cybertruck versus a versus a F one fifty and Rivian the towing. Uh, but if you look at the two side by side, Google this, Mitch. Just Google Cybertruck size and the first image, and you'll see how big the Cybertruck is. So this is was very deceiving. So, so maybe, the, this, the maybe this was a Tesla fanboy that just sort of remade his Model 3 or whatever, like in his garage. Either well, way, I that Cybertruck is, is as big as the Rivian. So it's very deceiving when you're looking at that picture, but yeah, they're they're about the same size. Uh, the Cybertruck's bed is a little bit longer. That helps it six feet long compared to the Rivian's four point five foot bed. But the inside of the car looks a lot better. I want to be in the inside of the Rivian truck there. Uh, that looks like a truck gives me enough room than the Cybertruck feeling. Where I mean, I feel like I'm going to Mars on that car. But hey, to each his own. Yeah, All and right. just back to that point, like about the outdoorsy thing. Like, I think they have like I saw like you you all know the climber Alex Honnold, you know, mm -hmm. who, who was in Free Solo and all. Yeah, the Free I Solo. Think he's like a brand ambassador for Rivian. They're really going after. And if you remember back to the early days of like SUVs, uh, you know, obviously the SUVs ended up as a giant car to go to Costco in, but it was branded as like, you can go anywhere, right? Like you're climbing rocks and, you know, things like that. And Rivian's, it, it, it's an interesting positioning that they've been doing as sort of being like this go anywhere in this electric, you know, truck. All right, let's, uh, let's go, let's talk VIX here. Let's talk the overall mm -hmm. market here with uh, CC Legator. And we've been up about 16% since March. Uh, very shallow corrections, right? Really have uh, this week and uh, a little bit of last week. We've we've had a dip in the market. Uh, the VIX just hanging out here near the bottom did get uh, a little bit of a pop. Uh, talk to us. I mean, when are we going to get? Are we going to get a sustained pullback here? And uh, what what trading signals are you getting from the VIX here? Traded down thirty cents at sixteen twenty. I'm looking at the VIX futures. It certainly seems long overdue. So I think the last time I was on the show, we were talking about not only was it, you know, was option volatility near historic lows, but the realized volatility of the market, like how much is actually moving day to day um, it, for the first couple of months of, you know, the late spring and early summer, it, it was at uh levels of realized volatility that the market hadn't seen in forever. You know, basically options were pricing the market to move less than 1% a week. And it wasn't, it was barely doing that. Right. And then we've gone, I, I think I saw a stat, we've gone in basically three and a half months without a 3% plus drawdown in the SPX, which is also, you know, sort of like an unprecedented lack of volatility. So basically options had it more or less right that nothing was going on in this market and there wasn't a ton of risk of a pullback. 
Now they've been coming to life a little bit in the last couple of weeks. You know, so the VIX, for instance, was down near 13 for a lot of the last couple of months, you know, got up to 18 yesterday. And that is, you know, maybe it's, it could be one of two things, but basically that choppiness that Dennis was talking about uh, earlier in the show, it, it is showing signs of that. And whether that's, you know, the fall coming, people coming back from vacation, everything like that, or, um, you know, there are actual legit worries of a significant pullback, more than 3%. Uh, the options market is starting to show signs of that. And the way it works is, you know, when volatility is really low, you typically see that slow grind higher in the market, right? And that's what we've seen. In order for the market, obviously, to go lower, if the market were to go lower and have an actual correction of some sort or a pullback of some sort, you know, obviously volatility would spike. For this bull market to continue, you sort of need the same thing right? You need those dips that are, you know, people sell into on a panic and then you get people off sides, it rips back higher. So right now, you know, the VIX is at, I think it's 16 something today, it got as high as 18. You know, if you started to see that get up into the uh, 20s, are those moments where, you know, a pullback might be a buying opportunity. But right now, like buying this market, you're basically still betting on that slow grind continuing. And the options market is sort of signaling that that slow grind might get a little bit more complicated. Hmm. Okay. That's, All right. difficult. That's for sure. Um, one thing that uh, a lot of traders are fighting right now, right, is do we uh, wait for this correction? Do we play to the short side? There's a lot of uncertainty, of course, that have come with this recent move. Now, one of the ways that, you know, I was even thinking last night, like, let's say like a, a report that just reported SMCI. What's way maybe one way that we could maybe look at using options to like play an earnings play going into it? Because yesterday I was thinking, yes, I'd lean to the short side, but yeah. I didn't want to take the equity in the common stock. And so what's one way that I maybe could have come after this, CC? Well, what's interesting is, and I might try to share screen here. Yeah, the, let's do that. The upstart that you all were covering earlier and joel oh. joel remember you were saying it was sort of in a no man's land and it was kind of finding buyers i don't know is it still down about 17 18 percent um yeah yeah so it's, the, stuck. So the, it's stuck it's stuck yep the options expected i saw that number and i was like oh wow i wonder what options were pricing they were pricing 18 percent so <laughs> like it's yeah they on. absolutely um nailed it and then Oh gosh, I'll get to it in a second. I'll try to do. This How are they more. doing this earnings season overall, CC? It's such a great point because in some yeah. cases, you know, we look at these twenty percent moves. You're like, holy cow, it's a big move. But in the case of Upstart, they were expecting it. Yeah. How are they doing overall? The options market so, makers are they getting it right? Yeah. So basically, the way it works, I always use this figure: an expected move into an earnings event, it's likely to stay at or within that expected move about 60 to 70% of the time, right? When volatility is really high in the market, let's say the VIX was 25 going into earnings season, that number would be closer to the upper band, right? It would be 70 or 72% of stocks would stay within it because just the ranges are so much bigger, right? When volatility is low, we, you know, we essentially went into this earnings season with the VIX 13 or 14, 
that number is lower. How many, you know, this is what you would expect, right? So it would be that more stocks would outperform what options were pricing. They would go either higher or lower than what options were pricing. And that's exactly what's happened. I think I saw a stat yesterday that if you went out and had bought the straddle in basically every company that's reported up until this point, which I do not recommend, yes. um, <laughs> you actually would have made money so far, right? Really? So the moves outside of of the expected move have been enough to pay for that other 60 some percent that stayed within the move, right? And so, um, you know, in the case of Upstart, it's it's down exactly the way options were pricing. But we've seen, you know, you all that whole list of names you all were talking about in tech yeah. that it pulled back. Those are the ones <clears throat> that would have it would have paid to be long puts, right? For instance. And yeah, so it's basically a situation where the lower the vol is, the more stocks are going to go outside what options are pricing. And part of that is the options market makers themselves. It's, uh, it's like the, uh, the, when the music stops, you don't want to be the guy, you know, the last chair, right? And so they have to really protect themselves about... Uh, like something in like Rivian happening, right? Mm -hmm. So if you were an option market maker and you went into that event, long options, you got killed this morning, right? It's the worst possible scenario. The stock doesn't move. And so that's always going to happen to you. So you're always kind of leaning against getting, you know, sort of buried in premium. All right. Now I did Can want we... to show... I was well, going to go ask, ahead, yeah, you can show that, but I just want to ask him about Disney tonight and if we can uh, look yeah. at the expected okay. move for Disney because this is one that's going to yeah. be very watched. Obviously, we got the Penn News ahead of time here, which is lifting the stock here this morning, but uh, I think this is the major report that everybody's going to be looking at here tonight. And I just wanted to talk about the expected move in DIS. Yes. So let's go. I just figured out. Now can you see my screen? I got you, CC. All You're right, up. All right, cool. So here's, this is just, I had upstart earlier, right? So that was an 18.4 expected move with 42.21 as the downside. And it's, it is kind of interesting. It's like a no, it's a kind of a no man's land on the chart, but you know, options got that more or less correct. So mm -hmm. with a Disney, let's just pull that up real quick. Um, it's always slow when I'm screen, screen sharing. Yeah, I, I really love uh, the earnings calendar that you guys have on Options mm -hmm. AI. So I'm going to throw that up in the chat. If you guys want to check that out, that gives you all the expected moves for the day. Um, so if you guys want to take a look at that, it's in the chat right now. Yep. And sorry, that, that just crashed my browser with the stream yard on. But let me try it again, right? Uh, but basically, it's about a 5% expected move in Disney. 5% seems yes. a lot. And it's, uh, you know, the prior moves, if soon as I can pull this up, let's see if this loads. Gotcha. Um, the CC. prior moves, you know, it's seen an 8% move. It's, it's seen some big moves recently. So 5% is uh, what you'll see. Here we go. What you'll see in a lot of cases is, you know, 4.8% expected move. That's 69 volatility. Um, you know, recent earnings moves, you can pull it up. Uh, right here at the bottom here, the recent. Oh, you've got it up. Moves. Okay. Yep. Yeah, there I you got go. you, Cece. So there you go. So that the um, 
you know, like you've seen some big moves here and what what will happen a lot of times in options, if you see that kind of dispersion of moves in the last four moves, you know, you see one 18% or 15% and you see one that where it only moved 2%. A lot of times the options are just sort of guessing right in the middle, right? And so 5%, you know, seems realistic. Now on the chart itself, um, you know, uh, Mitch, go up a little higher and hit, uh, you know, like hit bullish over on the right. Oh, and this right. would be kind of bullish. Hit that over on the trade option side. Yeah. So this is kind of interesting. Hit hit like call spread. Ooh, and, I like this. I like this. Yes. I'm getting okay. the walkthrough. Yeah. So basically what this is doing is this is taking that, you know, in this case, you've got a 30 day expiration and it's sort of showing you the risk reward of a call spread and it's putting it on the chart. You know, you could change the time um horizon on the chart and see where that kind of lines up technically but this is like a quick way to say all right well you know disney's down near its lows sentiment couldn't be worse they just had this news with the um you know gambling app which they should have called espn to your point earlier mitch um whatever they're calling it it's going to sound like a sponsor um and, you know, this is a way to quickly generate and compare strategies, you know, so these are bullish strategies, you know, you, like could, hit, you could hit neutral, you could see an iron condor and an iron butterfly, you know, obviously there's uh, the bearish strategies. Yeah. So this is like a, you know, we have this on our free tools where you can just quickly generate these trades and this is doing it all based upon the expected move. You know, if you have an account with us, uh, if you have a brokerage account, you know, you're going to be able to do anything you want. You can edit these strikes, you can drag them around, and it'll instantly tell you what the risk reward and probability of profit are on all of what? this. What? Check it out, guys. Uh, Options yeah. AI. I'll definitely throw out the link in the chat for you guys. I just got my account. Need to go ahead and throw some money in here. I might have to take some shots. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's That's always fair. good to check out some new platforms. If you guys haven't checked out before Options AI, definitely going to throw it up in the chat here. And we'll start wrapping up. Uh, any last kind of options, any play that you are looking at right now, CC, that you maybe want to share with us? Well, so my first instinct, as I was mentioning, like, you know, as long as earnings season is going on, I'm looking at, I start with neutral strategies and I see like, if, do I have the risk appetite for this stock? And, and generally that answer is yes. If I'm looking at something that looks like Disney on the chart, I'm starting to look at things like, you know, if this thing went higher, uh, how much could it go, right? Or, you know, if you're if you're bearish and you think the sentiment is correct and this thing's done for a while, you know, you'd be looking at put spreads and things like that. But in earnings season, I'm generally looking at neutral strategies first. And then if something if something catches my eye, like, you know, that Rivian story earlier around 25, or if I'm looking at a chart and I'm like, you know, Disney could they just, you know, this could be the the turnaround quarter, who knows? You know, then I'm starting to do what you just did been on the line with cc legator he's the founder of options ai joining us giving us a, a great look at the options market enjoy you coming on as always we'll dial you up real soon excellent thanks guys good to see you thanks cc all right let's get back to the market how are we looking joel leaking nothing Lincoln. major yeah nothing major uh pre-market high Looks kind of safe for now at 36 and a quarter. We're trading just around mid-range. Uh, I don't know. We've had 
a choppy week. I just range bound day here. Uh, pre market low 45, 15, 50. Uh, that's just around your close, which was uh, 1850. Uh, one final stock someone asked about uh, Tesla, and mm, it's looking okay. Uh, from a from a long perspective, I'm sure that's the way you're looking at it. I mean, you have multiple lows at the 240 area, 240, 241. So as long as it stays above that gap area, um, you know, path of least resistance would be higher. But the way I'm looking at this is like, man, you got over 280. You spent some time there. You found sellers, and you spent some time above 270. You found sellers there. Just looks like sellers are coming down here, selling on strength. It doesn't seem to have the the pizzazz. So uh, keep an eye if it breaches that 241 area. Going to work your way down into that gap. So that's it for the meeting uh, today. Uh, everyone have a great session. we got some fireworks tomorrow uh, with the CPI. So uh, everyone have a great trading day. Back with you later on. All right. You guys can keep up with course Joel Alconin on pre-market prep plus, and we'll wrap it up here in just a second here. Just wanted to quickly run through the last little reports. Yeah. Uh, one Celsius holdings, of course, taking the rip to the upside. And I was yeah. talking about this with Dennis and I was like, this is the new monster, right? Remember when monster was so popular? Well, monster isn't the same anymore, but it still gets the appreciation, right? I mean, just look at that chart where it is and where it's gone. Uh, throughout its history, right? I mean, this has started back down where it was like a dollar. This stock is a fifty-eight dollar. Yeah, it's stock. one of the best like performers over the course of the last twenty years that's out there. Monster Beverage quietly. I forget the stat, but it's like right near the top. Yeah. I mean, investors are paying for this though to be the next monster because you got Celsius and uh, it's a huge. It's a nice quarter, but you know, you give perspective. I don't know what this is trading like eighty times earnings or something like that. Let's just go look. You know, where yeah, is let's the take a peek. Report? Celsius is trading. I'll tell you one thing. I really one hundred and sixty-three like... times earnings. The, now, the sparkling again, they blew it away, so that's going to come down. But you're paying for that growth. Sparkling mango passion fruit. My favorite Celsius, by the way. This is, this is the drink. Um, yeah, yeah, that's that's one of them that I like. Uh, I like they have sparkling or non-sparkling options. They're energy drinks. They're supposedly more for the fit energy drink, quote unquote, right? And so they try to make it seem like it's for people that are more life active and things like that than just sugary energy drink like Monster. That's how they try to make it seem like. Um, so I can tell you right now, it's definitely taken a hold of the new generation. And uh, it's definitely gotten the lift for a long time. I didn't believe in it when it was at here at fifties. And then I started really thinking about it and seeing how much it was being bought up at the gas stations. And you can see the appreciation. Another major thing that helps Celsius is that they had a deal with Pepsi um, that started bringing it closer and closer to grocery stores. So the biggest things with energy drinks is distribution, right? How do you get it into the stores? Well, one of the ways is to team up with, uh, companies that you know already come to the store like Pepsi, Coke, and that can get you inside and sell a lot more. Um, Celsius, not bad here. International revenues increased 76% year over year. North America revenue increased 114% year over year. So definitely seeing a lot of them get sold there. What about They're Lyft? Killing it. It's a matter of whether it eventually grows into that valuation or not. Monster yeah. Beverage did. Can Celsius do it too? That is the question because you're you ready like for this forward outlook. Earnings for this. Hold your breath. 163. 
163 times earnings. You paying? You paying for that growth? Dennis's no face. I wish I could have grabbed that right there. I can't <laughs> buy an energy drink. I can't and pay buy 100 energy times drink. earnings for it. Yeah, I just can't do it. It's just not me. But I mean, people yeah. made some money doing this, so yeah. they could continue. It's making new all-time highs. I don't short stocks making new all-time highs ever. If you can learn anything from this show today, write that down. Never short a stock making a new all-time high. Yeah, sell stocks no making new all-time highs, but I don't short stocks making new all-time highs. Yeah, you need at least some sideways consolidation before you even think about dreaming about shorting a stock at all-time highs. You're fighting the trend on this one. I <laughs> don't know where the, the pony ride ends here, and maybe it becomes the next monster beverage, but it's worth $11 billion in market cap now. At this point in time, it better. If you're buying it up here, you better hope it's monster. Last one, Lyft. What do you think about Lyft? They did come in with a surprise 16 cents on the EPS where they had an expected loss of one cent estimate. Uh, revenues not looking too bad above the Q3 revenue outlook. Can Lyft get off the ground? You're going to get support at 10 if you get down that low. I don't know if you're going to get down that low, but you just get these big psychological levels. It's like, what was it? The one we were talking about the other day. Was it uh, Snapchat? Yeah. Snap? Yeah, the 10. Bounced right off the 10. Man, the I got to think on this that's one. the 10 bouncer. I don't know if you're getting that low today. Maybe buyers are going to emerge sooner. Um, we've seen how good Uber has been for the last, and Lyft has just went the opposite direction. It's just been a disaster. Yeah. Um, Crazy does it, does pop, it get a bounce off a of 10? I think if it gets down to 10, it bounces. I'm probably not buying it before that. It's I'll got the 1350 it last night, 1349 on the on the report. Man, the algos are always. Oh just man, that, 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 the news algos just don't have it figured out. Nobody's perfected that. Man. Maybe AI will perfect trading, you know, off of the initial headline numbers. But I have no idea how those news algos make money because they seem like they're wrong so much. <laughs> they try that to rely earnings. on logic, right? Like, I, I mean, why were is. you buying it up that much? The, well, the earnings were in cents, line. 16 cents on the a surprise EPS outlook. So they're like, oh, enough. my God. They're, they're in the they positive. Buy, buy, buy. <laughs> and then they're more to more sell, sell, sell. <laughs> yeah, real sell. quick. Real quick. They just turned it right around. I mean, in what? It took what? 15 minutes, 20 minutes, and it was right back down. And it actually went down towards 1145 on the next candle when it was just up there at a 1349. So that was a 16% lift off the initial headline. And then right back down, what? 23%. Be careful out there, team. You wonder to deal with. what was the expected move. Let's just go for fun and look at what the expected <laughs> move was. And again, if you've never calculated expected move, it's fairly simple to calculate. Just go to your closest option strike and ask and, and add up the calls and the puts. So if we bring up Lyft, looking where the options close, uh, for fun, one, we're going to grab this week's look, options, which expire I know you're trying to do the math. 11. I'm just grabbing them now. $38. Oh, wait a second. No, sorry. I'm looking at the wrong stock. Lyft. Um, was 11 it closed right around 11.56 let's just grab the 12s those are close enough oh gosh I, I, at least options ai was telling me about 15.7 <laughs> what's a two dollar move two dollar expected move and where did it pop up to last night 13, right around there 13.50 How i did mean it's $2 crazy dollar expected move holy people just hey man they pay huge, more than two dollars. It was more than two dollars. It was two two fifteen. The expected move was two dollars and fifteen cents. Man, these expected moves are crazy. I would have thought a buck, two fifteen, 
and it's not surprising gets up to the expected that top of the range is expected to move and that's where she stops you know yep. she's gonna turn all the way back down but she did yeah that's exactly wow. where she stopped and i think it's crazy that it's right there on the kisser but wow that's how it is guys be careful out there this market is definitely tough and like dennis talked about right off the hop right um it's a lot on story and bar right now so you have to be thinking about both sides not just story right because if the bar is too raised too high that could definitely affect the stock and then also if it did it, if some of the companies disappointed in front of it, maybe the bar gets lowered enough to where it can actually get the spike, like we saw in Twilio. So be careful out there, team. One thing Any I will say is, too, when you're with your bar talk, mm -hmm. Disney bar is pretty low. Everybody hates Disney right now. So if Disney, and I'm somewhat scared of those parks numbers, but if Disney can say anything okay, stock could actually rally on it so know your bars where we knew with smci they were going to have to blow it away disney's bar is not much off the ground so if disney can do anything okay stock could actually rally tonight so keep that in mind with disney all right last question i wanted to ask just because i didn't get this chance to ask you dennis was what do you think about the banks do you think that we might see continued downside i know just full disclosure i am sure goldman sachs but that's just one of the ones that i picked um just because i thought that maybe we could see some continued turnaround in financials do you think that we still see some leak yesterday they came back in the afternoon they did i like the bounce back yesterday mitch so i'll say mm -hmm. that I haven't invested in banks since the financial crisis, you know, U.S. Yeah. banks, because I saw how badly everything just, you know, and the leverage they have. And, you know, we know, you know, how even from the regional banking crisis we had four or five months ago, things can fall off the tracks very quickly here. But valuations are cheap on the banks. If you're going into a value type oriented market, you can see the banks run continue here. Long term, okay. banks have just been such poor investments that I have trouble saying, yeah, I'm going to throw a bunch of banks in my long-term portfolio. And I was buying some value stocks yesterday. So I did do some nibbling. You know, I raised up some cash. I'd sold some tech stocks. I, I bought, so if you want to just, you know, know what I bought in the long-term portfolio, I bought some Enbridge. So Enbridge. which ENB, which is, um, okay. you know, I'm planning on holding on to that. Um, okay. That's uh, one that I picked gas. up on the dip there yesterday. Nice dividend, 7.37% yield. Kramer's been giving it some love. I, I just know I have, a couple places i pay enbridge a monthly bill every month you know it's 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 my natural gas so i mean enbridge um is you know utility dividends yeah. gotten to a point where it's 7.37 percent. i feel like it's enough it's down about 10 bucks from the high it was a year and a half ago i feel yeah. like it's coming enough that there's pretty decent value here in enbridge so i picked this one up i also bought about three stocks i also bought um i gotta go look what i bought this one looks interesting i, I like that 35 Levent is what you know, they call yeah, it. No, LTHM. Yeah, because mm -hmm. I still think you're going to have the lithium story here, and the PE on this is reasonable. I think it's trading 11 or 12 times. ALB is cheaper. I already own that, but I've rebought the lithium. I had a little bit of lithium still in my kids' RESP, but I bought some in my own retirement account there too, LTHM. So, I bought, yeah. again, going after value, low PE, cyclical though. This one's cyclical, so it's not as simple. I bought something else too. What the heck else did I buy? Oh, I can't you, remember. You now. do too much trading, Dennis. Just too much. Well, man. no, I, I do trading all day. I'm buying some stuff, but this is stuff I have <laughs> no. account. I, I got you. I, I'm sure you'll bring us it to, tomorrow. I'm sure you'll remember it and you'll bring it. it I'll bring it up. No worries. I, I'm sure we'll find all about it. If you want to do find out about it, I'm sure Dennis will remember in about five minutes. So take yeah. a look at his Twitter a little bit later today. 
Triple D, just let us know maybe uh, on the Twitter life. I'm you know sure what I thought about buying you. a square? I thought about rebuying my square. I did. I'm scared of that. PayPal does not look good, man. And that's my scared stock. I thought there. about rebuying the square just because look at the move, Mitch. Yeah. Look at it. Like, and again, you're catching the falling knife, and it is like, yeah, that's exactly what arm. I called out yesterday. I'd like I it said. to, like, but, but if you ever thought it was going to bounce, where's the likely bounce area? These three lows back from June, 61 to 62. And I mean, we got right in that area yesterday, 62. But holy, from bliss to piss in five days, it was $81 a week and a half ago. Boom, right back down yep. to below where, you know, because we had bought it. Me and you both played it from the long yeah. side. We had pretty good trades. I remember I said I thought Square was going to 75. It yeah, did. I played it to 67. Now it's back here at 62. Is it broken? Well, that trend's clearly broken. Does it? I, do you get a dead cap bounce off the 62 area? I think you do. I, I don't know you if might. you get much more in like 66 or 67 off it, though. But I was thinking you could pick it up at 62 and try to flip out at 66 or 67, like for a quick 8 9%. I feel like it's up 2%, you know, today. I don't know if there's news on today, but I thought about buying it yesterday. So I drew this circle here, right? And I drew this on, and it says it right there. It's created on August 2nd. So we're talking a week ago. And I was already calling that we might get a big pullback on Square because it has the bullish cross where the 50 crosses the 200. Whenever I've seen this on technically, a lot of times I expect to see a quick pullback to wash out some buyers, and then you get the phase three, which is that expansion move higher. And so we've seen this before happen on plenty of stocks. I'd keep watch on it. It has a bullish cross. Moving averages say still bullish. I would keep watch on the 50 to see if that can keep moving higher. Um, the 50 moving average lately has been moving just slightly higher, about like six or eight cents higher every day. Look to see that turnaround come. But yes, you're catching a falling knife. And it, it's a tough trade here. I didn't do it, but I kind of wanted it's to. Something, uh, it's something to think about, for sure. The other stock I bought, Mitch, you might like this one, uh, American Airlines. I bought American ah, Airlines. I was, I've been account. thinking about it. It's on my, it's on my buy list below 13, 15. So the reason 70s. being 13 to 19, 16 okay. is the 50% retracement of the move. And I like that you've kind of put in three, four bottoms in the same area. I feel like, right and there. they're making a lot of money right now. So I feel like, you know, if we go into a recession, I mean, you know, this is not going to be a good buy. But I, again, yeah, I've been calling for a pullback, not a recession. So, you know, in the last few weeks here, a couple of weeks since we've been talking about the pullback mm -hmm. here, I feel like people are still doing stuff. People are still paying to do stuff. And American Airlines fits that bill. So, yep. Not a bad one to go after, Dennis. And you are right on 150% about that 50% retracement being right in that area, about like 1580s, 1570s. Doesn't look too bad at all after that retracement. I was looking closer to 15, but I can't blame you. I might be a little bit late to the game and Dennis might get it early. So that's how it goes sometimes, team. And like always, this is just so that you guys can understand our levels. A lot of the times we do this so that you guys can understand our process, how we go about it, so that you guys can be on top of your game. Always great to have you, Dennis Dick. Go do what you do best, my friend. See you guys. All right, let's go ahead. Let's bring you guys over to live trading. That's coming up next. Please smash the like for a little bit of extra pre-market prep time. I hope you guys enjoy that Dennis sticks around for a little bit while I go through the rest of the news. Of course, there's some more news out there. I'll keep going through it on live trading. That's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. I hope you guys checked out our book club yesterday. We had a great session. Of course, getting through some top trader interviews from, of course, Market Wizards. Now to bring you over to live trading coming up next and then i do want to let you guys know we have a big event tomorrow 
Don't want you guys to miss out. We got a Benzinga webinar, but it's on what? Electric vehicles. We'll have plenty of big companies coming for you guys tomorrow. You don't want to miss it. Companies like Blink, GM will be there. There's a lot of companies that you don't want to miss out on the electric vehicles. Driving the Future with Electric Vehicles webinar. That's coming tomorrow. Don't miss it, team. Now to bring you over to live trading. Let's go see what I can have underneath my sleeve as I do have some trades going deep into the green. Still looking to see what happens there in the banks. Find out on live trading. That's coming up next.